what most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of What Most People Think and I hope you are well. I have been on an odyssey, dear listener, of staying in some of Britain's shittest hotels. I've been on the road, <laughs> I'm out touring, as you can hear, I've got, I've got my guest with me, Francis Foster, this week, but I I was in Carlisle in an Ibis, but I think I topped it, Francis, this week. I, um, I did a travelodge in Taunton that was so bad that when I mentioned on stage that that's where I was staying, it got a gasp. <laughs> it got a gasp. And on that, on a gasp, I will welcome Francis Foster to the show. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I've fought yeah. long and hard against this middle-aged thing. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm two months away from 40, or a month and a half. So you know how I've decided to celebrate my turning my turning to the big 4-0, mate? Having a prostate exam. Boom. You had that today? Yeah. Had it today, I, mate. Okay, so look, I mean, we are. I'm recording. I would normally record this on Tuesday lunchtime and get and get yeah. it up on Wednesday morning, eh? Chance would be a fine mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. I, but uh, we are both late today because I had builders in, and uh, well, you had the builders in in another way because you had a you had a prostate exam. Yeah, I did, mate. I tell you what, and that doctor had unnecessarily large fingers, mate. Yeah, and there was no fucking about either. He just went right. Curl up in a little ball, feet are slight, hold your knees, here we go, boom. Curl up in a, in a little ball like like I'm taking <laughs> your, your lunch money off you at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm taking your lunch money off you, boom, there you go. Do you know what? And I'll be honest with you, after I finished, Jeff, it made me have a newfound appreciation for gay lads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know, not all gay men are, 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 are bottoms. Some are just pure tops. I mean, there mm. is... For the for, for the lads that, that are taking that week in, week out, that, oh, this is an amazing place for the podcast to start. <laughs> <laughs> we have gone, in the same way that your doctor went in there with a cold hand, we have gone in with the, <laughs> the cold hand of, of anal humour. But, hey, look, it's what most people think. It is a show... That looks to come at uh, you know political and social issues from from a slightly different angle. I mean, all of this now feels related to your prostate exam to the rest of the comedy world, and of course, to that end, I've got one of the co-hosts of Trigonometry here. Somebody, you know, a show last week we had uh, Constantine back on, and that's a show that has done a lot in in terms of providing mm. uh, alternative discourse or platforming Nazis, depending which side of uh, Twitter you, you you tend to read. But have, have you platformed many Nazis recently? Only you, Jeff. Um, I mean, I mean, mate, we're I, not I need to get my edge back. I, I do. I, I've become too fluffy, mate. I, I need to say something out of order soon because I, I just feel this drift towards acceptability. You know, mate, you can't do that. All you need to do is weigh into the trans debate and say something like, I don't know. I just think women have vaginas. Just well, say that. I mean, it's funny you say that because um, we are going to be talking later in the show about. Dear old J.K. Rowling, who is, uh, who's well, she's accused her of dying on a hill, but she, I don't know if she's dying on that hill. She's still fighting that hill. But that is not uh, necessarily the big subject of the week. We will be talking a bit more about the Ukraine situation, but about more specific things about this government plan in terms of housing refugees in our own houses. Also a bit about the sanctification of uh, Zelensky and stuff like that. You know, I think we're a few weeks into it. We can start to look at uh, some things that, that are... There's a certain level of, um, I don't know if it's hysteria, mm. but uh, I think there's a certain loss of objectivity in the West. Let's put it that way. And we, we will get on to that. Just going back briefly to the hotel thing, I was sort of thinking, so this audience that, that gasped mm. about me being in the yeah. world's worst travel lodge, to give it a bit of context, it was next to a Hollywood Bowl and a Sainsbury's. But what's wrong with that, mate? You can pop out, you can yeah. get your tea, you can have a little bit of bowling after the gig, wind yeah. yourself down, take the edge off, and then back to bedtime. Yeah, just step out there like Roy Munson in Kingpin. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I, I mean, I, I see the thing about hotels, right? Is if they're clean and you can sleep well there, that trumps yeah. everything else, and it's got decent Wi-Fi. That is so much bigger than any other thing. Like when people mm. say, "Oh, this hotel's got a beautiful foyer," or they've got the the bedrooms were designed by fucking Banksy or whatever, going, how does that affect my sleep? Right? Mm. I actually sleep really well in bland 
sort of faceless places, you know. So the shocking thing I've realised about myself is the places that I've slept best in the world are in Afghanistan when I was in a war zone and travel lodges. Really? Read in, yeah, yeah. Read into that what you will. Have, a, have some fun with that, therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just like one of those, you know, you're just like one of those blokes who's just, you know, you, you like it a particular way. I, I'm basic. Wrong with you. No, I just think it means you're weird, Jeff. Yeah, I think no, I think it is disturbing to to find that out about myself. But I like, I just like how how sterile and bland a, a travel lodge is. I don't, I don't need, you know what I mean. I they've got patterns on the curtains. I even thought that's probably overdoing it for me, having patterns on the curtains. I think you probably you could have saved another twelve pence. Look, the reason I'm sleeping so well at a travel lodge is because of the money I've saved. Really? Yeah, Mate, I think that's what it is. How old are you, Jeff? Forty-five. You're forty. I'm oh, I'm. This is going to be me, isn't it? This is going to be me. Yeah. Going to be like, have you seen this? Have you seen how much money we're saving on this? It's. I it's. Know, do you know? I. There is something. I. I. I am a bit poncy. I do like mm. unnecessary frivolity and just extra you, garnishes. Well, this is this is what's interesting. Was I was going to ask you next because I won't spend big on hotels when it's just me. Right? There's yeah. certain things I won't throw money at. So cars. Uh, hotels when it's just I've me. I've seen your car, mate. I can agree with that. You can, I mean, well, you know, one of the worst things is when punters see me. If I've done a really good <laughs> show and it was quite well attended, you know, there's the occasional one, um, and they see me climbing my 2015 Seattle Ibiza, they feel sad. It, it actually makes them reassess how good the gig was, I think. Yeah, it does, mate, because that, it's 2015 Seattle Ibiza. That's a school teacher's car, mate. I was a school and teacher. There's a, yeah, I know, and we were both school teachers, and there's a reason why we left the profession. I just, look, I did on that and over the weekend. So this gives me a way of like mm. uh, sort of recapping on the gig. So I did. I went to Wellingborough, uh, and then on Thursday I went to Bath and had some of the most middle class heckles I've ever had. A guy got chucked out and was saying that he loves me on the way out. Normally people are just saying stuff about your mum and throwing pint glasses around, but yeah. That was Bath. He was already apologetic. He was already he was already sort of pledging to uh, do some work on himself. Uh, <laughs> and and then I drove on down to Taunton, carried on down to Plymouth. Now Plymouth, thank you so much. Like you know, when I say thanks to everybody that came out, this gig in Plymouth, it hadn't sold that well. It sold all right, but it hadn't yeah. sold that when well. I was a bit down. You know, I was, like, I was wondering why that was. I got there. It's about six miles outside of the city centre. Mm. Um, it's next to a hospital, the venue. It's near a hospital. So when I wanted to get a sandwich before the gig, I had to go and park up in a hospital car park and go to the Costa by a and <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And so you walked in and then the people are like, oh, what are you here for, sir? What ward? No, mate, I'm just here for a Costa and an egg sandwich. Yeah, yeah. What, what's wrong with you, mate? You go, well, I, you know... <laughs> Maybe they just meant as a comic, like, why do you need to do this? Um, and yeah, yeah, and and so it was in the middle of a storm, and suddenly there was like what 170 people there, and I was thinking, oh, you know, I would have liked a few more, and then I was amazed that there were 170 people there. I sort mm. of said to them because the storm landed at about 5 p.m., and I said, if it had been me, I would have fucked this off. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? I don't care if it was Bill Burr playing in my back garden at 5 p.m. on a Saturday. If there's a chance of a nap, <laughs> I, I would cancel dinner with Richard Pryor. So what, what things? Were you, so what are you fancy with you? What, what things will you will you luff out? On? Do you know what? I love posh food. Yeah, I fucking love it. I love posh food. I do, I like the nicer things in life, Jeff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've I've stayed in shit hotels. I've eaten at shit restaurants or cafes or whatever else. I don't fucking like it. I like avocado on toast, mate. I like an oatmeal. Yeah, I am. I'm, I like an oat milk latte. I That's really, awful. yeah, mate. Oat I, milk. Yeah, I do, mate. I love it. It's it's milk of the gods. No, well, I maybe I'm getting the wrong stuff because we're going to come on to the vegans. I had a little bit of a brush with the vegans this week. It's been a while oh, since. Did you? I Oh, yeah, no, we'll come on to that. But just before we do that, um, new patrons this week. So a couple of returners, because patron, I don't know if you know about this, but they have this brilliant thing where they just kick people's payments out continually and make a, mm. a challenge. So we had people who, who who were good enough to re-establish their accounts. Mm. John Winter, uh, John Viviani, who just sounds like one of the biggest... I mean, biggest... he's a gangster. Or Italian fashion houses. 
No, but you know one of those knockoff ones you get down the market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you come back with from Dubai for your missus. Babe, it's, it's an original yeah. Viviani. She's like, that's not a thing. I mean, it is original, but no one knows who John Viviani is. Um, David Smith, who's had to reset up his account so many times. Thank you, David, for persevering with that. And we do have a brand new VIP patron, Tamazin Priest. Tamazin Priest, that is just the coolest fucking name. Just sounds like, you know, like one year you get one of those female soloists come out and everyone yeah. is uh, like PJ Harvey or someone like that. It is quite a cool name, actually. So, yeah. So, are, th- are those your patrons? Uh, yeah, all four of them. All four all of them. Four there. Of them. You're crushing <laughs> it, mate. Well, no, I mean, I do. I, I hover around the 500 patron mark, but just every every, every month, there's uh, they have this. Anyway, I mean, I don't want to bore people with it, but if you do, if you do want to still be a patron, do check it out because there's another online gig coming up, and the patrons that we do have would have seen uh, Francis Foster smash the shit out of last one, and I haven't decided who's going, I'm going to have for the next one, but it looks like being April the 13th. So that is a, a, a benefit that's available to all patrons. If you're VIP, you have guaranteed front row access if you want it. Uh, so that's coming and there's other stuff coming down the road uh david domain so i don't know if when you last come on we would have had the cuss count um which we retired but we have a new format point right because i've got super super patron i mean this guy is he's just above he's just all the fucking he's the thanos of patrons but in a nice (laughs) way like yeah he he only wants to take it yeah yeah he doesn't want to take he only wants to take out 25 percent of all living things um Mm. And we call, his name's David Domain, which is already a very cool name, but I've yeah. called it... So now he picks up on something from last week's episode and it's called Domain Talking Point. <laughs> Mate, you... There is a sun journalist in you waiting to get out. Or a terrible Radio 1 breakfast host. Yeah. Either, <laughs> both completely admirable jobs, mate. Both complete. I could be like the Scott Mills of of kind of the contrarian comedy circuit. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's there's some truth in that. Let's be honest. Um, the main talking point. So he he said that Constantine had mentioned Mad Vlad's. Oh, by the way, I'm trying to get Mad Vlad to be a thing or Vlad the Mad. Um, Vlad the Mad, yeah. Vlad the Mad. Uh, his martial arts. Uh, last week it was reported that Vlad the Mad's black belt had been revoked by World Taekwondo. That that slipped me, but I didn't know about that. No. Uh, no wonder he's angry. He's also reputedly accomplished in judo. I mean, I just... But you just sort of think... I mean, when you say honorary black belt, you kind of go like, you know, like when Miriam Margulies, I bet she's an honorary fucking doctor yeah. of about 17 universities, isn't she? Of course, mate. And, you, you know, and they go walk up and they get a little thing. It doesn't change uh, anything. Uh, the most important thing you need to know about Vlad exists. He's a tiny, tiny little man. He's tiny. Well, let, at third week running, we're going to get into height because you're you're actually what are you five? I'm six foot. I'm six foot. It goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just that's my. I'm actually six, five foot eleven and a half, and it really oh. fucks me off. Yeah, well, you're taller than me, so I knew that straight out of the gate. I, mm. I mean, we've had a, a thing recently where no one believes I'm five ten, and I am five ten. Really. Yeah, well, I mean, that really is another, I don't believe that you're 5'10". But I am 5'10". It's because of my incredibly muscular, stocky, barrel-chested <laughs> build. It, 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 throws, it throws people off to scent. But, but, but interestingly, my, my sister, who's fought ever since we were kids that she was taller than me, I mean, literally yeah. well into our 40s, and then we just were drunk uh, at a family gathering before Christmas. And it was a real shock to her to find out. Because you know what these women are like, Francis? They bowl about... <laughs> They bowl about in these fucking stripper shoes and they start to think that's their actual height. Do you know what? This is the kind of rhetoric that you need to do, mate, to get that edgy new audience. That edgy? Well, you know what I mean? I do it on the podcast. It's just, it's just you know, when these days when I'm sitting there and Jeremy Vine, I'm thinking, I don't want to trend today. Too, <laughs> I've trended too much. I feel like I feel like it, you know, like there's 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 a certain amount of lives that people have as an edge lord, right? Yeah. And then if you lose enough of them, you just go, okay, I, I, can't, I can't do anymore. No one stays, like everyone who kind of pushes their luck in terms of public opinion eventually mm. gets tired out, you know. Do yeah. you not think, is that a fair thing to say? I mean, even, is, is, is Lawrence Fox as, as kind of combative as he was? Probably not. You know, no, they all... No, no, I, I get what you're saying. You're talking about the Milo Yiannopoulos effect. Eventually you end up defending something unspeakable like paedophilia and then you're done. 
I mean, I, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, it's a good point to say this. Is that I think at the moment one thing that's annoying me is, you know, I've become very frustrated with the Conservatives over the course of the last yeah. year, and of course Partygate. At the moment, the amount of people whose sole reason for being on social media is to just have a pop at the Conservatives and Britain every day is fucking. Yeah. I mean, I say exhausted. I mean, it's nothing. Nothing on Twitter mm-hmm. is truly exhausted, but. But I wonder if, like, eventually there'll be a turnaround effect where the British public just... Because those people don't... They stop they stop seeming like objective commenters. And all they really want to do is, like... what I saw someone earlier. It's a comic that we both know. And it was something about... Name names, Jeff. Off, off <laughs> camera. But it was something about... It was something completely unconnected. And, and they just made a joke about, well, yeah, I'd ra- rather have that than our guy hiding in the fridge. And I thought, oh, man, like... Have you yeah. not had enough pops at Boris for now? Could you not just fucking, like, use it more sparingly? He hid in a fridge. What, is that the joke? Where's the punchline? I just... He already did the punchline I, by hiding in a don't fridge. don't even engage with it anymore. I do think that. And, and on another note, I saw this video earlier, and I, I tweeted it was about... Um, God, we're doing that thing of comedians acting like Twitter is the whole world. But it yeah. was a video of Nancy Pelosi just being mm. bizarre and, yeah. like, kind of like... Like, the like you know, the film Cocoon, but if they'd never had the, the elixir of life, instead yeah. they'd just... Yeah. They'd all been given even more kind of stupefying drugs. Yeah. So she gives this talk. She's off her fucking head. And I just suddenly thought, I mean, of all the satire, well, supposedly satire, that went towards Trump and, you know, frequently rightly so i think that these chat show hosts now if if joe biden does something ridiculous or says something ridiculous even kamala harris she she doesn't seem fully at the races either mm. so you get these chat show hosts and then they make a joke but the joke almost further implies their fondness for the people so it's like oh nancy she's like your old me grandma there at thanksgiving and you go these are, these are these are incoherent people at the mm. in power at the moment and i think it really bugs me that, that there hasn't been an, any equality in terms of how people have gone for Biden compared to Trump. But you see it in, but you see it in, in our satirical programmes as well. How many people went for Corbyn? How many of them? How many comedians do you know that went for Corbyn? Hardly any, because they're all terrified of getting exposed, of being right-wing, of, yeah. you know, of losing their gigs and, the, you know, and their friends and their social standing. The entire thing is so biased, it's a disgrace. It really is. Yeah, no, it, it, there is a, an issue where they. I know that a lot more comedians that were on telly did have extreme reservations about Corbyn. I mean, I, you know, at that time, I, you know, I was lucky to have some sort of platform on Mash Report. And, you know, when I made jokes about him, it seemed like this extreme thing. And I, and I always thought... They used to make jokes about Kinnock on Spitting Image. This isn't new, you know what I mean? Like, there was always the ratio on Spitting Image was 70-30, you know, so the, the government got 70% of the fire, the opposition got 30. And then because it all became so ubiquitous in the early mm. noughties, when they, someone came along and some of us started having a pop at this guy who was clearly unfit to lead the country, I mean, obviously unfit to lead mm. the country, we got we got the benefit of it seeming like a radical thing. So in many ways, let's be honest, the way comedy is kind of works in our favour. Let's just do a quick thank you and a fuck you before we get into the main topics. Mm. Uh, have you got a thank you? Have you got something that you are, well, other than your, your doctor's finger? Um... Uh, do, you know, do you know what a thank you is, right? How nice was that gig that we did in Winchester? The, yeah, the Sunday that? night one. Yeah, the tour show. That was lovely. Yeah, so that was it. That was to thank you to all the audience there. Uh, if you were there, thank you. It was a genuine joy and a pleasure to to play to you. It was great. Well, I had a blast. It's, it's so funny that you mention that because I'm back on the south. Well, in, not the south coast as such, Winchester, but I am on. I'm in Worthing on Friday, uh, the first of April. Then I'm in Portsmouth on the second of April. And you have to say those are a bit too close to each other. They are. <laughs> Didn't you just play Portsmouth as well? And you're no. Going back uh, to- no. No. I've done Brighton as well and Winchester. So I've essentially done four tour shows within about, I think, a 30-mile radius. Um, so I've really tested I've really tested the demand. And you know what? It's come up okay, but I've, I've pushed my luck a little bit here. But, yeah, if you are in Pompey on Saturday, the 2nd of April, uh, at the Theatre Royal there, which is a, which is a fantastic venue, uh, the fuck you I'm going to do is, is for vegans. It's been a while since I've had a pop. So I did, an, I did an article for The Spectator, which you'll be able to find on my, generally on my social media timelines. And the idea was was that I had actually experimented with a few vegan substitutes, but the angle of the article was like, 
I am not a great human being. I, my mm. tolerance for sacrifice is not high. Um, so I thought I'd find out what my limit was, right? So the actual focus of the article was it was a half-assed, half-hearted attempt and in which I found that basically I would tolerate roughly a 7% difference. Mm. Although I did say about oat milk that watching it exit, that the kind of spout was one of the saddest things I've ever seen, the texture <laughs> of that one scene can never be forgotten uh, and not in a good way. But so what happened, I, was, I shared it on Twitter, it didn't really create much of a thing, but then evidently some big vegan has, has shared it on Facebook. And God, these pricks really came for me. They're like, you go, well, yeah, I guess, I guess <laughs> you're just uh, an empty person. You're not half-hearted, you've just got half a heart. This one person said to me, <laughs> and all these other vegans have evidently piled on it. And I thought, this is a problem with like, you're, you're living up to so many vegan stereotypes here because you've missed the humour here, is that I'm essentially saying, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And this is how, and well, look, I, I think in a way I'm making a point is like for meat substitute manufacturers to get it right. That's roughly the tolerance you're paying with. It's about mm. 7 to 10% difference. People might actually use it. So I am making a point. But the, the, these fucking sanctimonious pricks come out of the woodwork. And there was just, and I kept thinking, oh, it will stop soon. But I don't know who shared it. You know what I mean? It might be some like Hollywood or like Patricia Arquette or something. But they, they kept coming. <laughs> And they were, they were, they weren't calling me like, like they weren't being totally like sort of vitriolic with me. It was all like from a position of moral superiority. And I thought, well, thank you. You've, you've, might, I, I'd sort of stop disliking vegans. And mm. you, I've got this. This is might be how I get my my contrarian mojo back. You know? Mm. Yeah. I, look, I know where you're coming from. Like, have you ever tried the cheese? Right? Or as I like to call it, I can't believe it's not soap. The thing is just, <laughs> the thing is disgusting. It's yeah. vile. You know, when people go to you, oh, it's just as good as a real thing. It's not, because otherwise you wouldn't use the words, the real thing. Yeah. I, I like, You know, I, I actually quite admire vegans, apart from the fact that whenever I meet one, they don't look healthy. They've got that nah. weird, strange, translucent, jelly baby-like skin. Jelly baby like skin. <laughs> they do. You just look at them and go, mate, you, you, you're lacking some nutrients here, my friend. You know? Well, they, I mean, I found, I suppose in comedy, a lot of the vegans are, because they're comics, they're self-deprecating. So I'd got into a safe zone of thinking, well, they, they take the piss out of themselves because Romish does, Sarah Pascoe takes the piss out of herself being a vegan to a point, you know, someone like Carl Donnelly is, yeah. is going to be self-effacing. So I'd sort of forgotten that the real... The real kind of like emotionally invested ones, and I, I sort of thought, well, yeah, that, that that's the point. Is I've sort of I've spoken about making minor changes in my life mm. and what I'm prepared to tolerate at this point. And instead of saying, well, that's good, you know, like maybe if you thought the McPlant burger left you feeling empty inside, you could try this. But instead, mm-hmm. they've sort of said, well, you know, and I would imagine for their fifteenth time that day, they'd basically were able to assert that they were a better human being than everybody else. And and what, what what happened was one of them shared a pretty bleak picture of a dead baby pig, and it took all my willpower to not write underneath it, mmm. <laughs> okay, so first big subject here is uh, well, it's not not just Ukraine because obviously longer it goes, we're, we're talking more broadly about the subject, but is the the refugee situation. So we've sort of got in a kind of refugee Olympics um, quite quickly here, where we started off. You know, I mean, the government wouldn't, we're not organised enough. It does seem for a government that had confidently told us they'd anticipated the attack, mm. but then hadn't seemed to anticipate any of the other stuff that went with it. Right, so we're quickly seeing league tables of. Poland have done, and, and in a surprise development, countries near Ukraine had taken quite a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, I didn't see that coming. But, but you know, mm-hmm. our closest neighbours, France, had, had taken more than us, which, you know, when given that there's a channel involved, you'd still expect that. But even within that context, it certainly mm-hmm. seemed that England, or Britain, sorry, uh, Britain mm-hmm. hadn't done quite enough. So what they've now done is a system uh, where the government, are, it's really unusual, this, where the government are going to kind of throw you 350 bar a month, right, mm-hmm. to house a Ukrainian refugee. So... The first question is, have you have you got any? Have you, no. <laughs> have you applied? Are you thinking about it? No, mate. No, I've got Constantine, mate. That's enough. Uh, you've got an Eastern European? Yeah, I've got one. I've got one. I've already got that box ticked, mate. We're on to the transgenders next. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. 
Unless it's a trans refugee, mate, then you're going to look fucking... Well, there is that. I mean, we've seen news stories about, you know, being trans in Ukraine and caught up in the conflict. I mean, that. I mean, what a great way, though. I mean, given what the things that some people have said to you about your moral fibre, yeah. if you took in a trans-Ukrainian refugee, you win, you're, you out-liberaled them. Yeah. I mean, you can basically do whatever you like, can't you? That means that you can go and eat steak every day for a week. That means you would get invited to Elton John's next milestone birthday. Exactly, all the children awards. Or, or <laughs> you know, you, you still wouldn't get, that, that wouldn't be enough for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that it's, uh, well, well, first up, I, 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 so at this point, when I last looked, there'd been like 45,000 applications, loads of applications. Great, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there is something quite interesting about what the government have done philosophically here. They've gone, all right then, country, <laughs> you think that we should take, then put, you know, put up or shut up. And in fairness, there's been a lot of applications. How many of those applications are totally earnest? I, yeah. I wonder. I mean, I signed up to be an NHS volunteer. I never really, I never really followed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really thought, well, I mean, there's fuck all going on. I was, it was mm. an excuse to get out of the house. I mean, this is probably why the vegan article pissed people off. Because even mm. when I try and do something good, it's normally underscored by naked self-interest. But um, yeah, I wonder... I wonder how many of those people are going to go through with it. What do you reckon? I don't reckon a lot of them are going to go through with it. I think the only ones who are going to go through with it are, the, are those on Twitter, so they can tweet about it. Day one with the Shevchenkos, and it'll be <laughs> this family. Do you know what, though? And this is where I'm so cynical about human nature, is that, is that I think you would probably need to do more vetting on mm. the, the hosts than the, the people coming in. Because the people coming in are scared fleeing from a war zone. I reckon this is the worst thing about what men are, right? There's some awful men in the world. Of and course. There, there are men that would have looked and gone, you know, look, I don't even have to say it, you know, and women, because we've yeah. all got it in our head that Ukrainians are the brave, sexy people. Yeah. There are, so I think that by all means, I think it's a good scheme, but let's do some vetting of the hosts as well. Mm. Okay, let's just do a little fucking house visit. Yeah. You know, because just just if you get those if you get those icky vibes off anybody, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If he's if the geezer's like fifty five and still living with his mother like Norman mm. Bates, like, <laughs> like I know what you, you know mean. What? First thing you need to check: they're not in the entertainment industry and they're not a DJ. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just find that out. Next is comedy because we all know comedy's stuffed with wrongs. Make sure yeah. they're not in comedy, and then you can go right. Okay. Maybe there might be a little bit, you know, more wholesome. I mean, there is definitely going to be a Channel 4 sitcom about this, I'd, I'd imagine, at some point. Yeah, and it's going I to mean, be the, shit. Well, because it's, what's going to happen is, is in a lot of instances, you'll get a very middle-class family that will have done something. And it might be one, it might be the husband or the wife that's driven this. Yeah. You know, a couple, of, a couple of glasses of Merlot and they've got a feeling like they want to do something. But it might not be a totally shared thing. Like one mm. person in the partnership might be like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Then the buzz of like the first couple of weeks, mm. week three, one, the the, the, the husband's going, um, you know, he's, he, you know, like when you, you, you start circling, Mm. places in, in the kind of accommodation section of <laughs> newspapers like he did in the past. Like, <laughs> like if there's little signs that things are going back to normal in Ukraine or something, the, yeah. the dad would start leaving stuff around there. I mean, um, this is the thing. I'm not, I know it's very easy to just piss on something good and there are loads of people doing a good thing here, but I've got, we're comedians. I have to think about the realities of these situations. And there is also, and to make, I guess, a serious point here, is, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of people I normally disagree with that I do agree with on this. There is clearly a racial double standard in mm. the, how quickly we've mobilised for displaced people. Mm. I mean, it's it's just blatant, isn't it? I mean, th yeah. th this would not have happened if it had been Rwanda or Sierra Leone. Or, oh, you know. of course. But then th there's the other factor of like, you know, you feel more affinity with those close to you. Because they're European, we tend to feel more affinity. Yeah, geographical the, proximity. Yeah, I think, you know. You know, I'll tell you a funny story, Jeff. So I've, uh, when I was a teacher, I taught um, Syrian refugees. You know, great guy. And uh, mm. we taught you this... You got paid, uh, though, right? Yeah, not much, mate. <laughs> but, you got paid? Um, yeah, yeah. You I got, got sorry, you got, you benefited from the, the war in Syria indirectly, basically. 
No, mate. No, mate. What I did is I went in every day just inspiring hearts and minds. Got up in front of those little pricks, mate, and I showed them knowledge. That's what the Americans said about going into Iraq. The same thing. <laughs> hearts, minds, knowledge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, and I remember, so I taught this, it, it, this still made me laugh, right? So this little Syrian girl, right? And it was a maths lesson. And I put her on a table with two boys, both of whom happened to be black, right? Didn't think anything of it, was teaching my lesson. She came over to me, uh, didn't want to sit next to the boys because she was black. So she was a refugee, but also a massive racist, mate. Wow. Where <laughs> do you... Like, imagine just just thinking, oh, you're you're an arsehole to someone yeah. that's come out of a war, but going, but you are legitimately a racist arsehole. Yeah. It's, I just like, found... you, don't, you don't just get away with that just because... No. no. <laughs> but I find it so funny because everyone was like, oh, but, you know, she's come from a world war zone and... You know, she's traumatising. Yeah. Yes, all those things were true. She was also a massive racist, mate. So we're just going to talk a little bit about, like, the sentiment towards Ukraine and, mm. you know, in particular, Zelensky. Because I do think that in, in the... There's a lot I like about him, right? Yeah. He's brave. He's a comic. He's about 5'9". He's got yeah. sunken eyes. Yeah. If they ever needed a chubby stand-in... He's got a good I beard. think I, I could do a job. I could, could do a job do, as mate. a chubby standing. So there's a lot I like about him. Um, and I, d- I don't know much about him beyond the last few weeks, mm. right? But he's provided some great content. Like there's been some clips that have made me feel inspired to, to you know, get through my to-do list. I'm thinking if he can mm. fucking stay in Kiev or mm. Kiev. But this thing of fawning over him, right? And yeah. we're going to rename our schools and we're going to name our streets. I mean, is, is it, are, we in, are we getting into weird territory with this? Listen, the moment when you deify anyone, you're getting into weird territory with anything. Yeah. Did you see President Macron turned up dressed like oh him to a, to a meeting? So, <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> it was so incredible. It, so you've got to pause and check out what Francis is saying. If you just if you just search President Macron hoodie <laughs> Zelensky, you'll find it. What it was like, and people quickly drew attention to this, was, you know, in the office when the regional manager Mark is wearing the cool beige yeah. leather jacket and then Ricky Gervais turns up in exactly the same colour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the real fucking life version of that. And they're all kind of, they all just want to be in the slipstream of whatever it is he's got and... You know he's doing he's doing this tour of like he's doing these Zoom gigs like we were during yeah. the pandemic, and you know let's and, be and, and, fair we had it tougher because he's playing to his own audience. Do you know what I mean? He, he, well, it may, he, yeah, I mean he, he, I had some, I had some, and the setups a lot better. There was somewhere yeah. before we'd really worked out the sound. I couldn't even hear the yeah. punters. People people weren't muting. You know when I was talking and stuff. He's got a good setup there. Yeah, he he's got a good. He He's got a good setup, but I think that the rush to go and look. Can I just be clear before anyone misquotes me? Russia definitely aggressors, bad guys. Mm, okay, yeah. clearly. But I just uh, we haven't had a, a war, a European war, a big European war. God, before anyone mm. gives me the Prince Williams, um, in a time while we've had social media, and I just find it fucking weird. Like the, but it's something like watching like the twenty third Marvel film, and that was your first one, and then you're you're fucking you're the biggest Marvel fan ever. Yeah, you know I've always I've always, I've always loved Captain America. Do you remember when he made his debut in Infinity War? You go, that's the fucking penultimate film. Do you know Do you know what it's like? It reminds me is when rugby fans start pretending they like football during the World Cup. Yeah, all your misses, and she'll be like, because my missus is American, she'll be like, oh my god, I think Harry. Keynes is a great player. I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no context to this. This is just regurgitating a narrative. Oh, I was into Zelensky's early stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can actually say that about him, though. Though it, 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 it's it's true. Yeah, I just think, I mean, like him being sort of sexy as well has just confused things, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, He's a bit sexy. Did, 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 did you like him? Did you like Zelensky when he was on the open mic? When he was doing the real avant-garde stuff, mate. Oh, mate! I shared a car with him down to Exeter for did a uh, Murph, Murph control gig <laughs> on a Sunday. Fucking yeah. still owes me forty quid for petrol. Yeah, and w- when he was doing his prop stuff before he got into the more surreal bits, he does strike me as as a kind of prop act. Yeah, he does. Are we are we, <laughs> we, we going to get in trouble for being too frivolous? You can't say anything about. 
Zelensky. I mean, the problem is, is that when people are just lining up, right, this is my problem. This is where comedians yeah. often kick back. When it's just kind of like a procession of platitudes, you go, okay, I don't know what more I can add to these platitudes. Obviously, heartbreaking, horrible, Zelensky, mm. good guy. Mm. But they seem happy to just kind of repeat these because for politicians, any sentiment that reflects well on them, they'll, they'll just keep hitting that, get yeah. Brexit done. Whereas comics, we can't keep saying the same thing. I just, like, the moment everyone comes out and goes, this guy's a great guy, he's a nice guy, you go, it's a human being we're dealing with. He must yeah. do something unpleasant. Plus, he's a comedian. So, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. loads of them out there with dodgy past. All I'm saying is Murph <laughs> Control Exeter, he might have done something. Do you know what I mean? Well, it just blanked, just blanked a couple of the acts in the green room or something. Yeah, blanked a just couple made of the acts. Made it weird in the green room. Made it weird in the green room, you know. Nicked nicked a couple of jokes, and then he nicked a couple know, of Milton Jones jokes. I nicked reckon. A couple, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then and everyone loves it, Milton. We're like, no, not having that, mate. Look, we love all people <laughs> on circuit a bit. But if you're over for the weekend doing a few gigs, mate, there, there's, there's a it's self policing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then he was just he did too long at the top as an MC. Yeah, and it was really like Route One banter as well. Exactly. Calling calling a guy broke back because he was wearing <laughs> he's sitting with a group. Of <laughs> okay, Those were the glory any... days of comedy, Jeff. Mate, it never got any better than that. As Bob Mills once said, uh, comedy isn't about satire or moving people. It's about finding a bloke with a shit shirt and taking the piss out of him for twenty minutes. Just do a quick hype here. First up, there's a couple, a few more uh, patrons. We got a few one namers here. Morgan. So we just got Morgan. Who's Morgan? What kind of establishment is he working in that he's not allowed to show his full self? What kind of left-wing establishment is he working in? The Conservative Party, hey? Because they, you know, they're quite. And we got Phil. Phil's another one namer. What was Phil? I can't. I just can't think of anyone called Phil and not think of the geezer from Location Location. Mm. Do you know? I was, I was speaking to somebody the other day, and I thought I had like a, a kind of twatted memory mm. of seeing him at Space Space Nightclub in Ibiza. Really? I, thought, I was just off my face. Then spoke to my, one of my other mates. He said he saw him there as well. And then apparently he did a show about how much he loves Ibiza. There you go. That's that's another middle aged thing. Is I'm talking about Phil Spencer like he's fucking Keith Richards. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> we got another uh, patron here called John Earls. John Earls, what kind of what does he sound like with a name like that? He sounds like an NFL head coach from the late eighties. You know, like John yeah. Madden, John Earls, that kind. One of those guys that takes off the headset and throws it down. Yeah, looks exactly. like he's gonna have a coronary. Yeah, just pure like pink. He looks. He's got the complexion of a pig's head. <laughs> we're gonna go uh yeah which uh which means david cameron will want to fuck his face satire see we go both ways uh i've got tour shows coming up this friday i'm in belfast saturday at the Wirral theater and let's just run through the dates that i have left i'm in lincoln huddersfield wolverhampton worthing and portsmouth on consecutive days aberdeen now my date in melrose has moved and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a sec. 29th of April, South End Palace Theatre. 30th of April, Manchester. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's going to be a drive. Uh, and then on the Sunday, back down in Maidstone. Okay, I'm, I'm there fair for enough. Maidstone. You're there for Maidstone. I'm there for realising that I am in Essex, Manchester, Kent on consecutive days. But yeah, I'll do it. It's love of the game, mate. Love of the game. Uh, Saffron Walden, very close to selling out that one. Swindon is getting there. Uh, Ipswich Corn Exchange. It's a big room. You you know, there's a, there's a good number of people there, but there's still leg room. Let's put it that way. Uh, Oxford Glee Club. Huntingdon, quite near where I live without revealing where I live. Mm. Glasgow, Oran Moor, that's starting to sell well. Then on Friday the 20th, uh, Melrose Corn Exchange, which I understand is a borders town in Scotland. And then back at Maidenhead for the third Maidenhead day of the tour. That's where I'm really big, mate. Yeah. Proper Toryville. <laughs> I mean, literally <laughs> couldn't get more to it now. Uh, then I'm in Spalding in Lincolnshire on the 28th. And then the grand finale at uh, the Wimbledon Theatre on Sunday the 29th of May. So do get your tickets uh, for those. So which one of those did you say you was doing, mate? You were doing, I'm doing, uh, Maidstone. I'm doing, I'm doing Maidstone, I think, mate, on a Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. It'll be good. We'll do some banter. We'll both go on wearing the same kind of shirt. Well, and do, do that gag, which I can't believe it's taken me that long to do it, that I did at the last one, was about diversity quotas. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that, <laughs> that you actually come from a slightly different bit of Wimbledon to me. Exactly. Okay, so uh, just a quick subject here. J.K. Rowling, she's... Uh, so you'd think that she would be a Starmer-Armer, Starmer-Banana, Starmtrooper. You'd think mm. like, she, she's an absolute Keir Starmer fan. But she's, got, she's laid into the Labour Party in the last week, saying they cannot be distrusted mm. to defend uh, women's rights or women's identity because Labour uh, had a couple of situations whereby Yvette Cooper and uh, Keir Starmer were asked to define a woman. You know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> It, it it's really weird to watch someone as yeah. smart as Yvette Cooper. She's like, I'm not, I'm not going to get drawn into that. <laughs> I mean, what she sort of said into it was like, she, the implication was, I'm not going to get drawn into that sort of nonsense. And I, I know it is a bit of a gotcha question, but the fact that it's a gotcha question is is what people really need to interrogate. And I think that, and without going over, you know, fairly familiar views for all of us that, that we have about trans stuff, and I am conscious of not wanting to make people feel more uncomfortable than some of them evidently feel. But fucking hell. I mean, I think, you know, this is called what most people think, right? Mm. I think if you went to most of the country and said there was a Labour politician that, that didn't want to define what a woman was, they, they would just look through you. They wouldn't know what you were talking about. Mm. You'd, have to, you'd have to explain it a couple of times, I think. I mean, am I am I wider the mark of that? I mean, am I am I living in no. out here in this rural world? I mean, I just don't think it should be a difficult question. It's not a difficult question, but it just shows in many ways how compromised the Labour Party is, where they are so in a hock to this very, very, very small contingent of left-wing progressive liberals that they don't want to antagonize them. So even questions as simple as can you define a woman? They can't do because they're too scared of antagonising them. And that's really what we're talking about here. How can you trust Labour when it doesn't even have the courage of its convictions to say what biology is? Well, I mean, it's been a problem for Labour in a way. You know, with Brexit, it was kind yeah. of like, well, you know, if the government can get something that satisfies our six tests, OK, constructive ambiguity. Um, then when it came to COVID, it was like, well, we think it should be sooner, later or or now, um, <laughs> constructive <laughs> ambiguity again. And there's sort of, you know, it's a bit more constructive ambiguity on the subject. Now, now, I honestly think if they want to be clear on this, you know, they're always saying, let me be clear. If they want to say, look, we are a party that think that the definition of women is broader than just your biological sex at birth, at least that's a fucking position. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, do they honestly think that by the next election that they can get through a whole election campaign without being constantly asked... And it makes them look ridiculous. Yvette Cooper and Starmer, whatever you think of them, they're not stupid people. So the idea that they wouldn't have something to say on this subject is fatuous. But it's also disingenuous as well, because we all know what the answer is. Do you know what I mean? It's not when you're... But what a do you kid. think the answer is? Well, what what is a woman? Def Mate, you are, woman. You, you are going to screw me over. You're going to get me as a... Look, here's what I honestly believe, right? There's men right. and there's women. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. Mm. Biologically speaking, that is all there is. Does I, do I think gender dysphoria exists? Absolutely. Do I believe that some people uh, have gender dysphoria and makes their life a misery, that their burden or their suffering can be eased by transitioning? Again, yes. All of these things are true. But it doesn't stop the fact that biological sex is a reality. There's only two sexes. We know that. Your DNA is your DNA is quite literally written into every cell of your body, your sexes. So this idea that we don't know what a woman is, I'm sorry, it's ridiculous and it's factuous. That's my the, position. What I suppose is is the left didn't really or or took them a while to get savvy to is that for a lot of women, a lot of old more old fashioned feminists that have fought previous battles, no. is that. Being a woman, it turns out, is something they take quite seriously. You know, it's like a guild. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. you know, like th th there's a there's accreditation issues. I mean, as I've, I've sort of been saying on tour, for men, women becoming men is not something any of us are that fucking exercised about for yeah. whatever reason. We're just like, yeah, fine, whatever. You know what? Yeah. Come and use your own slug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it literally is zero fuck. So there is, I suppose. Because intrinsically, simply being a man, there isn't a struggle that's written into that by definition, right? Like mm. we, 
I mean, working class men didn't have the vote until relatively recently, yeah. but but o- overall, that you know, our history has been different in that respect. But it, I, I just think that if you had Starmer and Cooper at a, at a little dinner party with trusted friends, mm. couple of Merlots in, mm. I think they're going to say something quite close to what you said. That's yeah. my, that's my, that's my hunch. Yeah, and I think that people have that instinct about them. So when they sit and prevaricate and mm. go, "Look, look, Martin, this is a ridiculous question," mm-hmm. and you go, "No, it's a, it's a ridiculous thing to not um, have an answer to." And it's interesting, isn't it, with um, with, with Starmer that he's willing. I mean, like I think possibly he's gone in a bit hard on the left of his party. Yeah. I mean, he's really fucking taken them on, and he's lied in his own um, sort of election campaign. Right, he made promises that he's clearly not going to keep. If he's taking them on on all that stuff, then why is he so scared to fight the people that you're talking about on this? I think the problem is with this. It's This is, to me, part of the culture war that is still live. It's still a hot-button topic because mm. we haven't, as a society, decided what the truth is. And you're seeing it, for example, with... Did you see the news of the Tavistock last week? You know, and they were found that basically the Tavistock, I can't remember the exact words, but... The is this ta- the clinic? That- yeah, so the Tavistock clinic is a number one clinic for uh, transitioning and uh, transitioning children in particular. And they found that there was a lot of children there who were being transitioned, some kids as young as 10, and they weren't adhering to the guidelines. And they were transitioning mm. these kids and they weren't adhering to guidelines. Please, I may have got this slightly wrong because Yeah, by all means, if you yeah. want to if you want to fact check yeah. Uh, yeah. what most people think, UK at yeah. gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but as a result of that, there's gonna be lots of kids who are gonna be detransitioners. You know, there's kids who've been medicalized, they have kids who've been operated upon, they're kids who've had all these operations under the age of 18. Something's going to happen about that. But but because, I mean, are we talking about a statistically meaningful number here? I mean, are we talking about case, you know, sort of uh, cases, or are we talking about a wealth like a? Well, if you look at this Tavistock and you read the and you read, it's significant enough for there to be an investigation and the Tavistock to have failed that particular investigation. It's a bit weird than that. Sorry to break out and be frivolous here. It sounds like a name of a pub. What a weird name for a clinic. Tavistock and Portman, it's called. I mean, that sounds more like a name for a pub. That sounds like two pubs that fucking merged. One of them had a little tyre concession out the back. You're going down to the Tavistock and Portman. Everyone calls it a Tavistock now. They have a guy in there that does tyre on Fridays and Saturdays. They clear away the pool table. And it's blinding. uh, Yeah, yeah, he's actually going to open up his own restaurant in the Isle of Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, this is what we do at Comedians. We we go so far down the road of, of difficult subjects, then we do a screeching handbrake turn and slam into the, the bollard of comedy. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's a problem with a trans issue, is that it hasn't been decided yet. Do you know what I mean? We, as a society, haven't yeah. decided. We haven't decided on toilets. We haven't decided on any of these things. That's why people are so edgy around it. Because, so, yeah, the battle, so people are trying, they're fighting, essentially. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just think maybe that's a mistake some people have made. It's, it, it's, it's a long process. And I know that for people that find not being accepted, you know, a, a, a dis, an unsettling experience and it makes them depressed mm. and stuff like that. But when you're dealing in concepts, and I'm not saying that all trans people be, believe this either, but when you're dealing in concepts that are so challenging as men can have babies too, mm-hmm. that is like, okay. I am going to need a minute <laughs> on that one. I'm just getting, yeah, okay. It is just that for my whole life, women and babies, this kind of mm. gone together quite closely. So fair enough. Mm. You're saying the opposite to everything I ever thought. Mm. I am going to ask for a fair minute, sir. <laughs> I'm just going to try and, it might say, and it might be, it might be years. <laughs> to wrap my head around this, but that's always been my position is I don't know where my view is going to end up on this, but I reserve the right. And, and, you know, some people call it like performative and like, Oh, I don't have to explain it to you or I'm sick. I'm not explaining race to white people anymore. I'm not explaining trans to cisgender people anymore, but you know, by the time you're a certain age, it, it, it's, a, it's, 
they're, they're asking to for you to unravel a lot of certainties that you had most of your life, right? I think the problem is, it's like we said before, we haven't decided where we stand as a nation. We haven't decided with this hot button topic where we are. And as a result, people, and particularly politicians, are treating this like a landmine, which it is. You only have to look at the way Kathleen's stock was treated. And they're worried. And and I think the Labour Party have just got to do the decent thing is actually pick a position finally on something. And whatever that is, fair enough. Philosophically, you can make an argument for self-identification and all these things, but they've just got to fucking grow a pair and, and be frank about what their their party's uh, position because until they do so, they'll keep getting tripped up in interviews like this. And as the general election gets closer, it'll be more and more of a problem. We, all right, we just got one letter this week. I was sure that we'd done this one before, but I couldn't find any evidence of having done so. Very simple. Who would win in a fight between Zelensky and Putin? Now, you think straightforwardly the younger man's going to come out on top. He's quite brave and stuff like that. As we all know, there's very few comedians that can fight. Yeah. Do you know very what? Very few. It's going to be Putin. And I tell you why. Oh, wow. Because if he's losing, he's going to get, you know, like a Bond villain, a little poison dart. He's going to take out yeah. this little sachet in his leg and, like, jab him in the back. A little nipple dart. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, have you seen his nips? They're quite like they're, they're sort of shocking to look at, and he just yeah. it turns out one of them uh, is synthetic, or or he'll do like a double a double death pack one, like uh, chomp down his arm with a cyanide capsule. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly. Bleak, isn't it? Yeah. But do you not think? I mean, but there's still there's still youth. So I mean, Zelensky could dance around. Oh, wait, no, so he's good at the dancing. He could be on his toes. He could wear out Putin as well as the older man. He could just keep him busy, keep him occupied. And then as the old man, I mean, he's got quite, he's got more bulk than is natural for a man his age. He's got to carry that around. Mate, he's going to Start go, picking him off. Mate, he's going to lip Vinyenko him. Trust me. Bam. He's going to, but that's a disqualification. So Zelensky wins, but he'll be dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so Zelensky wins. wins by default. Yeah. God, he always, it seems like he's going to fucking win somehow, doesn't he? Yeah. Prick. See, we don't hold back from dealing in the difficult position. Hey, I said it. I'll say it again. <laughs> Vladimir Putin is a bit of a prick. Exactly. Yeah? I think that's how you I'm should open make... the next show. But, I, I, you know, for all for all the years that the satirists of the world just conveniently ignored him, I'm making up for lost time, you fucking mm. Botox prick. Putin. Have you got any insults <laughs> that, that you want to throw in before before we, we, we tap out for the week? No, thanks, mate. I don't want to die. Okay, so join might- next week when Francis Foster will be presenting <laughs> uh, what most people think. Uh, thank you very much for appearing on the show, mate. Is there anything we should be driven towards? Obviously, trigonometry, great content coming out all the time. Uh, yeah, just my own Twitter and uh, Instagram, Francis J. Foster. That's pretty much it. Francis J. Foster, and you'll be seeing you on the road with me at various tour shows mm-hmm. uh, until the end of the tour. Thanks yeah. very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you, mate. What most people think?